Welcome to the Osteo Connection, the number one podcast for osteopaths looking to expand their minds and improve their practice. I'm Kevin Longpray. I'm Jason Turnbull. And I'm Dr. Sean Landry. And if you're new here, welcome. This show is dedicated to bridging the gap between your formal education and real-world practice success. Join us every week where we share our combined 50 years of practice experience, talk tips, strategies, and interview rock stars in the business. Welcome back to the OC. Thank I'd you. like to say as always, but not this time. No. This time flying one less than usual. Yes. Although we have him here in spirit with in us spirit. today. Yeah. He said he wanted to be here, so he's here. Yeah. He so here. I'm here with Dr. Sean Landry. And uh, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, Kev can't make it today. He's got a uh, graduation. Grade six graduation. Grade six graduation. Yeah. Big day. Big day. Know me, Kevin's middle daughter. Mm is um yeah second child is graduating elementary school and heading off to high school next year yeah wow big day for that family big day very big day very big yeah day. yeah so monday coming off father's day yes how'd yours great. go it was pretty good after yeah. i walked the dog twice and uh, mowed the lawn yeah. that no one else seemed to step up for i uh, no it was good we uh, the day turned out to be actually pretty decent as well because we have had kind of ugh, not the best weather in montreal lately true uh yeah i went to the golf course and had dinner the five of us plus my uh, father-in-law and girlfriend so oh, seven that's fun yeah it's good you have a girlfriend as well his girlfriend oh his yeah. girlfriend yeah. i do not have a girlfriend <laughs> no no that would probably not fly very well no i don't think so uh yeah. but it was good they had a special menu on it was it was great it's fun. Oh, How it's about you? Fun. Yeah, I had a, an interesting weekend, none, to say the least. Yeah, there's lots of uh, things that are... that video in there first day. Yeah, so I ended up um, with some stitches on Saturday. So I sat... Uh, Snitches get stitches. Snitches I already shared that stitches, before. Right? So, yeah, it was, a, it was kind of just a you know accident, but we were, I've been doing Taekwondo with my boys, and it was, a, it was our end-of-session test, so belt test. So everything was going well, and then um, we have to do some sparring. So I was sparring with another father, and uh, it was so funny because, you know, Master David and and the other black belts are like, listen, you guys all have to work in the morning. So like, don't they're like, don't block kicks, you know, like don't try and block kicks because you don't want to get hurt. Right, kicks are just focus on the chest pads. You know, you can throw punches, but chest pads, please don't hit each other in the face. And Sure enough, what happened? Well, uh, during our second round of sparring, I had just a, a little slip, and um, I think I was smiling, so it, it literally touched my tooth, and it was such a light tap, and I kind of said, no, no, it's okay, because the guy's like, oh, sorry, and I said, no, no, it's okay, and then literally five seconds later, the guy just, his look on his face, he's like, oh, no, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, I'm like, what, and I touch my lip, and it's actually hanging open and <laughs> bleeding. <laughs> So, yeah, and then all the kids, you know, everyone else is smiling, so then all the kids and the commotion because of the blood and, and uh, you know, I, uh, anyways, it was all good. I got my yellow belt. I passed, so it was good. My, well, because you my, turn around and you choke that guy out, right? Exactly. <laughs> choke the other dad out. <laughs> yeah, but it was, uh, you know, then the rest of the day was more uh, frustrating than that. I spent, uh, I don't know, I guess almost six to eight hours, close to eight hours in the in the emergency room. That's um, the kicker. The the, the yeah. lip is nothing. It's no. the well, not nothing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the it's knowing you have to go to the med yes. system here and spend the rest of your day there. Yes, for two and, stitches. And literally, you know, the the worry. I guess my wife's an emergency vet, so she's like, "Well, I could do it, but it's your lip, and if it crosses some certain line or whatever, it need you might need plastics, right?" So that was the frustration. Waiting all day long for the you know the ER, the doc who was amazing. She's like. 
No, he's like, actually, it's, it's kind of closed up a lot on its own. And I, I was joking because I was, yeah, I was sitting for eight hours meditating that this thing would close. And then uh, she literally put a quick little one below the vermilion line, like parallel to the line. And then she's like, I think I need one more. And that's it. So two, st- <laughs> two stitches, eight hours later. And uh, then my wife was really mad. She's like, that's what they do for faces in human medicine? She's like, I thought it was going to be a plastic surgeon. And so she wanted to she's like i should have stitched you up and then um well she got her opportunity to stitch something because my weekend got a little crazier it's father's day i'll tell this quick story keep it quick but um i had my first dog fight actually it was not fun um i was throwing uh i don't know some of you have seen my dog he's a great dog super friendly awesome but animals are animals and uh a neighbor's dog big dog that does has been known to bully a little bit other dogs and my dog and i just knew their energy wasn't good but he was with someone else other than his other than his master, my friend, a friend of mine. It's a big dog, you know, 115 pounds, like kind of like one from up north, German Shepherd Lab mix, you know, very friendly, but not good energy with dogs. So they let him off leash because my dog was in the water. I was throwing a stick, and then the the sun was there and everything. I was barefoot in the lake, so it was all rocky. And then all of a sudden, I could see that the dog went in as my dog was coming back, and then growling and bullying and trying to take the stick from my dog and then that was it barks were exchanged and then unfortunately the both dogs latched on and we couldn't get them apart and it was so fast everything happened so fast my feet scrambling in the rocks to get them i finally had to dunk both dogs under the water to get them and then and then literally as they came up it was like nothing had happened it was the weirdest thing ever and unfortunately there was a laceration on the other dog's neck um so we went back. My wife was at home, and I said, well, I don't think you can make brunch, Father's Day brunch. I think you have to take the dog to the clinic. Oh, God. So she took the neighbor's <laughs> dog to the clinic, stitched him up, was back in less than, no, from the time she showered, this is the difference between private medicine and social medicine that, that we have, which we're not saying is not a bad thing. It's a great thing that we have it. She was gone to the clinic, which is a 25-minute drive away to the Emerge Center, and back within two hours, had a way bigger procedure than I did. I cleaned the wound, shaved the wound, inter, you know, she had, I think she had to do a few sutures like deep and then surface sutures. And uh, yeah, so that was my, that was my Father's Day weekend. Sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah, sounds was, like a blast. It was not fun. Well, it was Taking fun. Another laceration on your hand. Oh yeah, then. and then I got the dog as I was trying to break, he was biting and he got me, got my hand if uh, anyone could see that as well. Anyways, everything was okay, but um, yeah. I spoke with my buddy. They were cool. They were super, you know, concerned wow. for us, our dog. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're good friends. So they were more upset that Kelly had to take time out of Father's Day to go. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So these things happen. These things happen. So that was a long story, a long introduction. But um, I'm glad. Uh, I'm actually glad the weekend is, is over because it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, like you remember we were talking about last week. We were joking about mer- Mercury and retrograde or something like that. Weird things happen. But uh, yeah, it was one of those one of those weekends. Yes. Yeah. They do occur. Yeah. Oh, funny side note. So I made brunch because my parents, my father was coming over while Kelly was at the clinic. And at one point I had asked the boys to set the table. And uh, so they come, they're getting lots of action in my house. And all of a sudden they come out and they're like, we need knives. But what did they come out with? Actually the cooking knives. And they're doing like jujitsu or whatever, you know, ninja stuff. And I'm like... What are you guys doing? Oh I'm like, I went to the hospital yesterday. Mom's at the hospital right now with, with Lou, like Lou Dog. I'm like, put those things away. Oh anyway, my gosh. I'm like, the last thing we need, you know, things happen in threes. But I think this was my third, uh, the third thing. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Well, sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Boys, boys will be boys. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> All right, where nice. are we at? All right. So I didn't mean to dominate the. Uh, well, I took Kevin's. Kevin's. That's few, it. That's few, it. Uh, it's a couple of minutes you would have had. Yes. Uh, well, today I think we'll discuss maybe all things communication, right? We want to, I think, um, kind of go back a bit. We'll kind of do some chat about some things we've covered in the past in various different podcasts. We'll do a bit of a bit of a synopsis on things. Um, just as we were brainstorming, we we always come back to the thing that we find that the best communicators have the best practices. That Couldn't agree you know, more. you know, when we now hire people to join our team, whether they're osteopaths or chiros or physios or massage therapists, doesn't really matter who it is. Um, we just assume we assume we assume they already have the technical skills, right? That's what we learn at school. They're coming in. They have a degree. They've got malpractice insurance. That's better than we know. The differentiator we find in how people can grow their practice and sustain their practice. Uh, tends to be it tends to be I feel like you know core values that they they have that are similar to our to our clinic and our practice and the ability to get along with the, the team we have here together obviously that plays a big role but as well as just the ability to communicate the ability to to have a connection with their clients um, a meaningful connection and and truly a passion for what they do it just tends to play such a huge role in in the success of their practice. And, you know, if Kev was here right now, we'd have close to 60 years of combined experience between the three of us. Um, and I think that we've all feel like that over the last 20 years, each, you know, roughly we've seen how our communication skills have improved and how that's played such a huge role in our practice. And so we're hoping that today we can go over a few things and, you know, people can throw in some suggestions and comments as well. And uh, after the podcast to see what you do, um, that you think makes a difference to your clients that you have maybe developed a routine around or something because I do that I have you know d definitely I feel like I've mastered my routine for for an intake day for a first eval day and and I, I feel like because I focus on my routine and how I want things to go assessment wise from a technical or physical standpoint it's allowed me to connect better at other levels because I don't have to worry about the other part. I do the same things in the same order. Yes. It's not like I'm treating as a recipe, but I'm certainly running through my testing in, in the same way, in the same way, so that I'm more able to open up and communicate with the person coming in in front of me. So we can start that way and, and maybe go through how that transits throughout a, a whole kind of it's, uh, treatment. It's funny, and Kev would actually be happy that we're bringing this up, but I, what, I, what I hear from that is, again, with your routine, with the ease at which you move through that routine, you've removed resistance, right, in order to open up access to other, like we talk about the, you know, the whether it's the physical, you know, the touch, the, the whether it's the eyes, whether it's the field, right? You're, yes. You, because of you're comfortable in your routine and you're brilliant at the basics, you then can access deeper levels of connection, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Man. That's really cool. So I think I think it's important to, as much as you want to talk about that communication, obviously how important mm -hmm. it is, is to always relate it back to our client, right? Yes. So really, I think what we have to remember is that when people come in to see us, uh, particularly on that first day, um, I always try to remember before I go upstairs and say, I treat upstairs in our, in our building, as I'm on my way up, I'm always remembering, I'm putting myself in their shoes. How would I want to be treated? And what would I want to experience that day coming in? And we talked about this in the previous podcast, but really you have to understand that when people are coming in to see you, right, they don't know, especially osteo, right? Like, what does an osteopath do? Like sometimes those are some of the first questions we're answering. But really what they want to know is what's wrong? Well, number one is what's wrong with me? Number two is can you help me? Mm -hmm. Number three is how long will it take? 
And number four, how much will it cost? So we believe here that it's the more you can you can explain yourself and educate and engage with your client and hopefully answer these questions without them having to ask you goes a very long way in building that rapport and that and that trust and likability factor with your client. Mm-hmm. So why don't we kind of get into that a little bit more and Sean, maybe you can share with me what you think like you would do for that. What do you do as far as your as getting your clients feel settled and making that connection and tr- and and moving and transitioning through that through that day? Yeah, I think we have a unique opportunity, um, the profession that we've chosen uh, to actually, again, wow the patient because most people, uh, unfortunately, not not the person or the patient or the client's fault, and it's you know there's probably a lot of big paradigm behind this, but most people their experience with healthcare providers is is uh, not great, right? They don't get, don't get me wrong, there's some amazing people, professionals out there, but the way the system's set up is they get, you know, maybe five to seven minutes with their healthcare provider, and in which time, right, they're, um, they might not get their questions answered, they might not, right, they might not get down to the root cause of the problem, so I think we have a unique advantage to be able to do that. Before I dive into those four questions, yeah. I also think, one of the coolest things that we have, right, or actually the first thing to bridge the gap between communication is to be fully present and actually care. Now, most of us have chosen this profession for a reason or the profession maybe chose us. So I know that's already there. But as we say, you still need to center yourself. You still need to be present in the office. You need to get rid of any other things or distractions that you may bring to the office, right? So whether it's a, you know, a busy house household in the morning that, you know, you and I both come from, mm-hmm. you need, you need to, um, leave that at the door. You need to put your therapist hat on, right? Your detective hat. Because when you're about to meet this patient for the first time, you really want to be present. You want to show them. It's almost, it's almost, they need to feel how much you care, not just see how much you care. They need to feel it. And that happens by being present, by being centered, by being focused, by being on, by being professional in the way you dress and the way you carry yourself, right? 93% of communication is nonverbal. So they can feel that. And that's, that's the first step to establishing communication. That's you the, you, the practitioner, showing up. Second step, like you said, understanding their needs, right? Their mm. needs, their wants, right? And answering these four questions. So uh, what's wrong with me? That's the first question. And that, well, you're going to answer over time, right? You're going to answer over time as you go through your clinical expertise, as you go through the dance, right? And Jay said, the better you are at that routine and, you know, whether it's a shoulder, understanding, examining the shoulder per se, comparing it to the other, relating it back to the body and the, and the, the entirety of this whole complex system that we have um, and relating to the principles of osteopathy and explaining as you go, right? As you explain and answer questions and, and think out loud, right? Um, you know, explain why, you know, they came for their shoulder, but you might be on their, on their right shoulder, you might be on their left hip, right? Explain the change, explain the fascial change, explain the relationship. And as you're doing that, you are building no like, and trust, right? So then once you have that, you can answer, right? To, to, you're going to reflect on this again for this, in order for the second visit where you actually do a report of findings, but you know, you're still going to provide a mini report of findings at the, at, as you're going through and at the end before you see them for the next visit. So that's, that's the thing you really want to, to the best of your knowledge with 
when you're fully present and you're on and your clinical expectations, you can actually give them an idea of what is exactly wrong with them, a true cause of what's wrong with them. Once you've listened to them, you've listened to their health history, you've kind of had some light bulbs go off, right? You've asked, you've asked other questions. You've allowed space for them to provide, provide answers that they might not, you know, that they might think as you're connected to a part of their body. Yeah. I I think you said it earlier, Sean, and that's, and that's the case is they're not, most people are not accustomed to receiving this just based on other people existing in a different system than we do. Yeah. We, we are fortunate as chiros and osteos to, to take more time with their clients. And that time is very, very valuable. You know, I, I always try to put myself in, the, in, in their shoes and how would I want to be treated? I, I really go with that. How would I want to be treated? What are my expectations if I'm going to see someone? And I say this to everyone in here, like, everyone's fascinated to learn about their body. There's mm-hmm. not one person that when you start opening up and explaining what you're finding is not like, man, that's amazing. I love to learn. So engage, educate. People love to learn about what's going on. And um, yeah, I commonly tell them like, you know, they're always like, well, can you help me? Do you know what's going on? You know, you can never make guarantees. But we all know that you can't do that, right? But our job, and I tell them all the time, our body's like a puzzle. And you came in with certain symptoms and, and but these places, they all have relationships, right? So I, I should know where to look and what's happening. But I need to find these things, mm-hmm. right? Your body's like a puzzle. It's like a map. You know, you've got pain down your leg. I know where to look in your back, for instance. So I, I tell them your body's like a map. It's like a puzzle. It's my job to put it together. But then I share with them at the end what you have found, right? And then, and then yes, because of that, what, how you're feeling, well, you're stuck here, 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 here. That's what could lead to that. My assumption, my expectation is once we start to remove these things, you will begin to feel better. And mm-hmm. if not, you're telling them you'll refer them on. Well, maybe you need some more testing done. Like you're yes. being very honest and you're authentic, but they start to understand and, oh, okay, so you're, thing, you're saying because my you know pelvis is doing this, it's pinching here. Yes, I really do. And I mm-hmm. feel, okay, that's amazing. So and it leads us with question along the two. path. Yes. Yeah. And and as you're explaining that, right, yeah. you you are saying yes, it, you know, based on like you say the laws of physiology. If we do reestablish this normalcy, this normal movement pattern, this normal you know joint tissue or you know tissue tension problem, fascial tension, whatever it may be that you know that has led you to this area. But as you explain that and said yes, it is it is more than likely you will get better, right? Yeah. Um, so that answers kind of the question one and question two. You can also relate it to previous cases you've seen, um, you know, with your clinical exper- experience as that grows. Um, you can even relate it to some of the literature that's out there, right? Just based on the, the findings we've had, you know, yes, we can help you. You know, lots of people have been helped with osteopathic care before, and I am confident with the findings that we have today, right? And as Jay said, if you're not and you need help, that's okay too, right? You can say, yes, you know, we're going to try. And we can take you to a certain place. And if we don't get the results we want, well, guess what? Then we're gonna we're gonna maybe send you for some a follow up, or for we're gonna refer you to someone else. We're gonna get some you know work with some pre- professionals in the area, right? That you've you've established relationships. We're gonna get some imaging, whatever whatever the case may be. But you're always presenting that in the, in the way that yes, we can help. We're gonna go step by step. If we don't get where we want to be, we have these options. Okay. Yeah. So that's really cool. So that's answers one and two. Yep. Um, number three, how long will it take? This is an interesting one. And this is hard when you first graduate, right? This is it's a tough question because until you get better at it, you're always getting asked this. Yes. It, you know, quite often if you how haven't... Many, how many sessions yes, is it going to take? If you haven't right? answered... If you, well, I would argue if you haven't connected well enough at the start, yes. you're getting this question by the, t- by the end of your first session. Yeah. So how long will it take? 
you know, for me, you know, my expertise, my clinic, my clinical expertise is it's a tough question to answer, right? I always yes. tell people that. I said, be you know, honest with that. Be honest right off the get go. It can vary from from individual to individual. Um, but the idea is that this is where you introduce more like phases of care and, and different ways of communication strategies to help them understand that it is a process. Um, you know, quite often people are coming in in acute phase, let's say, or, or, or a chronic condition, but something that requires more attention early on. If someone's got, you know, pain and inflammation and, and they have a lack of mobility, then it only makes sense that I explain to them, you know, frequency over time that these people need to be seen a little bit more often at the start. You know, generally we'll see someone maybe once a week for three, four, five weeks, let's say. Um, and then from there, once they start to show improvements, we start making changes in their body. You know, we've removed a lot of these non-physiological dysfunctions people mm -hmm. are walking around with. Then we, we move into a different phase. So I, I, I think communication is, is huge for this, that, you know, yes, maybe, you know, we can all do our math, right? We can print off our sheets from our clinic software programs and determine what is the lifespan, what is the lifespan of our clients. Um, you know, you'd argue that probably most people have seen people, I'd say probably somewhere between five and 10 times as a very random number, but that can look very different for people, right? Mm -hmm. You can do five or 10 sessions that can be spread out over 12 weeks, or you can do five or 10 sessions that are spread out over eight months. Mm -hmm. So I think the idea is that the client is telling them and, and helping them understand that as long as you're able to, tra to transition them and their body responds the way you expect it to with their help, with yes. their assistance, with their awareness of what they're doing that plays a role in their, in their condition, then you walk them through the phases of care. And, you know, quite often I'll tell people right from the get go that, you know, that last phase was, you know, maintenance or optimization, like people will get there. But those last few phases, a lot of people in the past would kind of quit. They get to 70%, 80% better. And they're like, well, I can sleep well. I can function well enough. Hey guys, it's Sean, Kevin, and Jason here from osteomentorship.com. Today, we'd like to tell you about the Masters in Business for Osteopaths. It's an eight-week live interactive online program empowering you with a solid business framework to build your practice fuller and faster with confidence. This live interactive program is a pivotal business training program developed by osteopaths for osteopaths that will challenge you to execute at your highest level. Your MBO bridges the gap between your formal education and real life practice success. Please visit us at osteomentorship.com forward slash MBA. I don't need to continue and, yeah. and I try to educate from the get-go the, the idea of re-educating, core stability, all that kind of stuff. So they're not coming back six months later or two years later with certain things, but it's all in the dialogue, all in the dialogue that first day. You don't have to answer that question 100%, nope. obviously, nope. but you're laying the groundwork for showing that it's there's a plan in place. You have clear steps on how you want to transition them along that pathway. Mm -hmm. And then once they start to understand that, they're, they're, they seem to be very open, yeah. receptive to that. I think, Jay, that's great. So if you can outline the plan with respect to the phases of the care, um, definitely the idea and the, um, you need to bring up that healing does take time. You need to bring up the fact that dysfunction takes time, right? These patterns, these habits, these been, these have been, you know, keep, you know, barring a, you know, an, a motor vehicle accident or something, that's something that's, you know, completely acute. Um, but even at that, as you unravel, right? Why sometimes, you know, again, we know if you're resilient and you take care of your body, even in an acute injury you bounce back so much faster so there there are layers to this thing so if you can establish and tell them that healing takes time um it's a partnership right we need engagement right you need to you need to 
uh, say it cannot be done alone, right? You are not, you, the therapist, are not doing this alone. And if you speak about those things openly, right, um, from the start, you will have better buy-in to the protocol and the program of care that you establish with them. Um, and you're right, everything is different. If sometimes we've had to see people, in, you know, twice in a week, sometimes you have to see people three times in a week, depending on how acute they are. And if you have the time for it, obviously, that's a whole other thing, right? A whole other conversation is just once you are busy and, and seeing people, right? And making time for people. But you want to be honest with them. Healing takes time, frequency over time. If you want to work out in a gym, it takes frequency over time. You want to learn a new language, it takes frequency over time. Um, and it takes showing up and it takes consistency. So that is important. The phases of care help outline and give you a model to work off, as Jay said, initial phase, right? That can be your acute or your chronic patient. Uh, they're in some form of pain and or dysfunction. That's when you want to put out the fire, right? We, we say this, we want to decrease pain. We want to increase function. That could be, like you say, two to four visits. It could be four to six visits, depending on the patient. And we've seen some people take longer, right? Depending on their physiological state, their habits, or lack thereof, right? Good, bad. So this is you, the clinician. You're going to come up with, that's an initial phase. Once we put out the fire, they're more functional, they're less painful. Then, again, you're going to outline this. Then they enter the corrective phase. That's where you focus on exercise. That's where you, you see them less often. You start to spread time. You want to reiterate the importance of you know them doing these things on their own, right? Really, really looking at their environment, what they do on a daily basis that can contribute to good habits, and or lead them away from good habits. So, that's those are conversations, and then you want to bring them, and that can be spaced out over time, right? That's the next phase. By by talking about this from the start during your report of findings, by um, by just you know I guess planting these seeds to these phases of care, people will then understand. You can relay back, you know, if they enter a corrective phase, you remember when we first started, right? Well, remember where you're at? You couldn't even, you know, let's say you couldn't lift your leg or whatever. Look how far you've come. All right. Now we're in the corrective phase. So we got you out of pain. We got you functional, right? You're golfing again, but we want to make sure that this doesn't happen. So do you want to get stronger? Right. And again, it's asking questions. Um, it's allowing them to say, yes, I don't want this thing to come back. Right. So well, now we're in the corrective phase of care. So this is, this is where we're at. I'm going to see you less often. You're going to, you know, you're going to work on your core stability, whatever it may be. And then hopefully we can graduate to optimization care or maintenance care. And that's the last phase. And we plant the seed right from day one. We even tell people, most of the patients we see here in this clinic come to see us on a regular basis for tune-ups because they know um, the power of what we do here and how it helps them in their daily lives. Right? So that's it. That, that's it. You've, gotta convey that message um well because we see that right i mean, I mean you know most of our clients i'd argue are between probably 35 to 55 and you know they're working they got families or whatever and they come in and they that first time to see you because they need to see you and they're they've had something happen where they can't do what they enjoy to do yes and you know we're the same we're weekend warriors we like to go out and hit the golf course and go for runs and do stuff and you know we as good as this is for us physically, it's also great for us mentally. Mm -hmm. And we all need this escape from, you know, it's not escape. It's what we like to do in our, on our off time, right? What are we doing for ourselves? This is what we coach our clients with all the time. What do you do for yourself? Take time out of your day, carve stuff into your day to help you feel better. Well, we're the same. So yes. the idea is that you, 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 you've got to take, 
people want to go back to doing that. As soon as they can't do that anymore, they're like, whoa. So if you're able to be that person that can, especially if they've seen other professionals before they see you, yes. and you're able to work them through those phases of care where they can go back to doing the stuff they want to do, ultimately what will end up happening as we start to build out our treatment plans, as we get more and more full in our schedule, it's you've you've made that transition with them. They, they initially came to see you because they needed to come. And because of the connection you've made and the value you provide, they now just want to come. Yes. And that becomes almost like that optimization phase where they're just, they see the value in what you do. You're able, they're able to do what they want to do without breaking down. They're able to perform at levels that they want to perform at. Yes. And yeah. that's fun. It's fun treating people like that once in a while and not always in the acute phase where they're, oh my goodness, you know, yes. full of inflammation and they can't lay on their yeah. shoulder at night because <clears throat> they're on fire. It's, it's nice to, to treat people to keep them well. And you're going to encounter patients like that, that just show up during the acute phase. But again, it's a good moment to reiterate the same kind of principles and be like, hmm, weren't you here last year for this very same, what was going on in your life? What's going So it's ways of, again, establishing, creating rapport, establishing, you know, bridging the gap between communication, allowing them to realize that they play ultimately the biggest role in their health or not, right? So, because you will get patients like that, and they're okay too. We well, do they're, they're still choosing to come back to you, so exactly. that's a good sign, right? They are coming back to you. Not everyone's going to transition into an optimization no, client, no, no, for sure. At least they're coming back to see you. You've yeah. made a strong connection. They are happy with the work you're doing, so it's still good. I had a patient today, honestly, and I hadn't seen him since in four years, right? And he came with his wife today, and again, he kind of realized just through chatting and talking and and just reconnecting. He's like. I should see you more often. I'm like, yeah, you should, right? Because his wife does see me regularly. And uh, and it was something, again, through his back out lifting stuff. And he's like, you know, because I sit at the office all week and then I want to do all these things at home. And I just like, awesome, you know? Yes, you should. And then I went down and I was seeing his wife right after and he was telling her, you know, um, I got to run to the office, but can you please book me, you know, a monthly follow-up or whatever, you know, he decided, I think he had decided on quarterly. I'm like, great, we're going to start with that, right? Yep. I'm going to see it on the season, right? And uh, so, yeah, booked him into the schedule. And, uh, but again, you're going to have these patients that, you know, and for whatever reason, he was ready to, you know, he came back four years later because he threw his back out, but he was ready to say, you know what, I think I need to see you more often. You know? He's so, probably seeing his wife. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that she's not breaking down it's anymore and 100%. able to do the stuff she wants to do, right? That's that's how it works. Yeah. And so these patients, again, they're, you're, you're, you're going to have all sorts of this, these... Um, you know, these, these situations and these opportunities to connect with your patients. And so the more tools you have, the more times you hear examples like this, um, you'll see it in your practice and you'll know what to do. Right. Um, cool. Last question. Yeah. Last one is, uh, how much will it cost? Yeah. This is a tricky one for, for, for both the therapist and client sometimes, right? Money sure. is, money is a, money is an interesting one. Yeah. Especially these days with interest rates so high. <laughs> interest rates. Yeah, it is. It's, inflation. it's funny. It's, it's, Probably the question, because it over almost like one and two relate, and so do th three and four, right? Yes. How long will it take and how much will it cost? Obviously, yeah. it has very similar uh, similar outcomes. So certainly, you just have to be aware that that it can is be a factor for people, yeah. for sure, right? Our services are not are not cheap. You know, yes, they are covered usually at least partially through through uh, long-term, yeah, private insurance. But nevertheless, they do add up, and there are caps to those things, right? So... So yeah, so it definitely is a factor. I mean, you'll know, because if they ask you that, you have to be very sensitive to the fact. I always will say, this is my recommendation. And yes. I usually just say that. But if they kind of say, well, okay, because, you know, I'm like, listen, if you've got like limited 
insurance coverage, this is my recommendation. I'm not saying we can be flexible to that too. Yes, yes I think you'd be valuable to come in the next week or two, but if you want to push it out because you've got limited uh, insurance, absolutely we can do that. Yeah. But then the dialogue's from there. Now, however, what are you that doing means yeah. the awareness, the focus, a lot of the onus goes on them, right? Yeah. That you have to make sure you're super aware of postural stuff or whatever mm-hmm. you're, you're looking at. I think that's uh, important. I just think we have to be aware that, you know, money plays a role and not yeah. everyone can afford to come in for all these treatments. So it has to be a factor and you have to then ensure that you're providing value. Mm-hmm. So if, how much will it cost? That's what they're looking for the outspan, but also each session when you're coming in to see someone, what are you doing? We all have some days that are better than others. We have to make sure that we are like Sean, you had said earlier on in the conversation, we're showing up prepared to work. We're leaving our baggage at home and we're providing them with the best service that we can for the time slot that they are they are in for that day. Yeah. And I think that if you do that and you're able to show that and you're passionate and you're you're educating them and you're engaging, these questions tend to fall off because they see the value and mm-hmm. they will shift then, you know, we all have you know, some sort of income that we can kind of move around a little bit and they'll be like, oh my gosh, well, I, I can't yeah. miss that. I do have to come back next month because look at the value we're receiving. And I think that plays a role in, in, in their yeah. outlook and in their recovery from that point. Yeah, definitely. And uh, again, priorities, right? So initially, if this is a priority to them, they will find the money, right? And um, you have to be confident in your fee right? as the therapist. You have to, because again, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but um Sometimes you're coming, you know, you're graduating school and you're stepping into the role of the professional. Well, you need to step into that role fully and you need to uh, charge what you're worth. Um, Again, understanding people and, uh, you know, the the emotional intelligence. That's a great book by, I think it's Dale Coleman or something, but that, that human experience and human interaction. So really being aware to people is important because you're right. There will be people in different circumstances and situations, uh, but you still need to express to them the plan. Um, you know, they'll, they'll most likely they'll know your fees, right? Your fees will be somewhere in the, in the office. Um, and, and just be open to discussing with them, right? Uh, with them, if there are any, any, um, hesitations from them and whatnot, but you can always relate to priorities in life, right? A lot, oftentimes people will spend $150 on booze and food in a week. Sometimes, you know, young people do that two nights a week, which is detrimental to their health, right? Might be good for their social mental health to a certain degree, but the value that they, that they, um, you know, and again, it's like when you convey the message and you communicate with them, they will see the value you provide and money, they will find the money to pay for your services, right? And to get their care done, right? If it's a priority to them. And, um, I don't know, but it, those can be, and as you, again, as you go through life, right, you, and you gain more experience, you'll be conscious of money and, but you'll be, you know, you'll be so set on your, on who you are, the service you provide and the boundaries you've created for yourself that really money doesn't become an issue anymore. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's my take on it. So, uh, based on your clinical recommendations and the um, the phases of care, you can outline a budget of how much it will cost. I know certain, depending on where you're, you know, certain uh, consultancy groups or I've been I've seen this in the past, and sometimes they will offer, um, you know, depending on where you're practicing. I don't know what they do in the UK over or in Australia, where a lot of our listeners are, or here in in, in Canada. But um, some people will offer, you know. Uh, 
for you know, like a, a book of treatments. And now this is definitely, you have to look at your scope of practice, look at your governing board uh, and what you feel comfortable with, right? So that's if you've outlined a plan of care and you, and you want to you know, um, offer them a certain care package and it's okay with your, your scope of practice and your governing board, by all means, that can be a way of, uh, of you know, averaging out or reducing costs for the patient, ensuring buy-in. And I've seen it both ways. I'm not, we're, Jay and I aren't here to say what, what, what is better or not, but those are options as well for people. We've seen it in the past. So um, we here at our clinic, personally, we pay as we go. Um, we just found that you know, we, we live in Kent, where we are practicing. They have private insurance. So up to a certain amount, everyone's is different, and uh, they pay us upfront cash, and then we provide an insurance receipt with the provider's number for them to claim back from their insurance. So we're basically a cash practice here in, in Canada. Some people have insurance, some people don't. Um, I've never, actually, when you answer these four questions, I've never seen an objective, uh, an objection to paying for your services, right? No. So even when we raise rates, we, we do raise rates every once in a while. And we've never lost. We've never lost clients. You know, I've had one client say, "Oh, did you raise a raise?" I'm like, "Well, yeah. It's been two years since I have." So, yes, and you know, that's that's you know, do you you know, you can ask the question, "Do you value my you know my my service and my treatment?" And there was yes, and okay, well, that's what I'm worth, and you know, you can be honest, right? So, those are for sure, absolutely. I think I think to recap, right? So, as we're saying, communication, like all things, communication. So. Especially if you're if you're new to practice, those four questions we have to make sure that if someone asks you that kind of stuff, you can't get you can't be thrown off. You, nope. if you you have to be very comfortable with answering those questions. So if it means that you need to sit down and rehearse it a little bit and, and know what you need to say or what you want to say or the points that you want to get across, yes. you should do so because you can't be caught off guard by things like that. We're mm-hmm. professional. You're worth that kind of stuff. So how would you answer? Yeah. Well, how long is going to take? Well, how's this? Like it's a great if exercise. You start, if you start today. fumbling around. It's not confidence inspiring. It's the same thing for your for your routine. We we have these talks for our team meetings. Like, how's everyone's like initial intake? How's how's your eval? Have you ever actually looked at it and thought about different ways you could make it better and improve? Streamline it. it. Streamline right. it exactly. Like, rehearse it. You should rehearse be. It. it should be perfect. Like we were joking before we came online. Like if if lying what, tests, seated tests, right? Totally. You know, streamline. I remember things. being in AT school for athletic therapy. They always said you got to do your test in a certain way because there's nothing worse than making your patient flip from their stomach to their back, back to their stomach because you forgot a test. It's just not confidence inspiring. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that no matter if you're 23 or 63 and you're in practice, people are in here thinking that you're the expert and you need you need to show the path and, and lead the way. Mm-hmm. And even as far as like special muscle testing, like if I was to do muscle testing on someone's shoulder, for instance, I was laughing with Sean before we came on. I test the same muscles in the same order every time. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's, it's rehearsal. That way I, I'm confident that if I'm on a certain muscle and I know where I'm going, I don't have to look back. I know I've covered it in the past yeah. and it allows me more to focus on how is their strength? Watching, what am I feeling? Watching. Are they exactly, are they, you know, are they accommodating? Are they, are they cheating it? What are they doing? How, what are they saying? Like my other, you know, senses are, are, are on point because I'm not worrying about what Spidey order sense. have I done this yet. So I think that's really important if you haven't done so already. Some of those things you want to test, cranial nerve testing, whatever test, yeah. do them in a certain order 
all the time. You're not treating your, your client like a recipe, but you're certainly running through. Sometimes you're testing that way yeah. in order to be very thorough and and the ability then to really focus on what's what's really important is your connection and the communication with your client in front of you. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. Awesome. So right, so that uh, to just to wrap up today, think about those four questions. Think about your routine. Think about what we talked about at the start where you're showing up as the best you ever, right? You're, you're, you're focused, you're engaged, you're ready to serve. Um, you're fired up because you've chosen a path or this, this path has chosen you and, and you know exactly what you want to do and why you're there. So if you really focus on that, that, and, that and actually caring for the patient in front of you, communication will happen naturally, right? Because you're engaged and you care. Um, and it will, I said, it's not just they need to see it, they need to feel it as well. Uh, and then you answer these four questions, man, you will be a leg up on the competition in your in your community. So think about these questions, as Jason said, really think about how you would answer them, um, how you're going to talk about them during your evaluation and or your, your wrap up, your report of findings or your five minute wrap up we talk about. So what's wrong with me? Can you help me? How long is it going to take? How much will it cost? Right. And you can you can be assured that that's where people feel that connection. That's where they refer to as well. So if you're looking for someone, if you're looking to build your practice, yeah. the better you get at this, the more often you get these referrals from your your in in clinic marketing will will stand out as well. And there you have it. This was a this was a this is a action packed one today. Forty minutes. Look at that. Oh, Kev here. It's just so much smoother. Yeah, less distractions. Flow, less distraction. Less someone teasing us and making fun of us. Exactly. <laughs> Kevin, Great. We love you. Naomi, congrats on your gradu your graduation. Yes, congratulations. Uh, and um, we will be back next week with another Osteo Connection podcast. Uh, check us out. Leave us a review on uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever else podcasts are available. YouTube, we're going to try and get all these videos up for you guys on YouTube. Um, and if you have anything you can add, what do you do? What, what, what part of your routine have you kind of established that you're like, that's a can't miss and you think you'd like to share with other people? We'd be glad to. I'm always, I'm always open to opening things up a bit and changing yes. too. Yes, no, definitely uh, share, please. If you find this, um, you know, this, this podcast helps people share the, share the love. You know, we, we love hearing from you guys and we will see you next week. Peace. Thanks for checking out this episode. We hope you learned something or not. And if you haven't already, subscribe here to the Osteo Connection wherever you're listening. And hey, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And if you're still listening at this point, thanks, mom. And if you're offended how much we've made fun of Jason, tune in next week and be sure to share with a friend. <laughs>